Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Amen. Uh, I want you to turn to, uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 1. How many excited for the Word of God? Come on. Amen. How many excited? That was five people. How many excited for the Word of God this morning? All right. That's about 10, but that's okay. I forgive you. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to share something a little different this morning uh, because it's Mother's Day. I'm going to uh, speak on uh, really uh, about three women, if I can, uh, and how it applies to all of our lives. And these three women that I hope to get to uh, today, uh, they're lessons of faith of what they went through, because they all, all these three women went through some really hard times. But their lessons is not only the, the, how they overcame it, but it could be applied to all of us. But because it's Mother's Day, I'm going to tell you, there is just nothing like a mother. There is, I mean, even in, even, even in times where all um, hope is lost, you see the women praying and you see the, the grandmas praying. Amen? And so I want to turn to 1 Samuel. I have about three, three uh, women that we want to highlight today on Mother's Day. And look at their stories of faith and see how we can apply it to our lives. Are you, are you ready? Amen? Are you excited? All right, so no talking uh, unless you're saying amen, so you can say that, all right? First Samuel chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 6 in the NLT uh, because we're going to do a lot of reading today, but I want to get you out in a decent time. Uh, I want to give you a background. The first, in First Samuel chapter 1, uh, verse, really uh, the whole chapter, but from 1 through uh, 5, because I'm going to skip that, there's uh, a man named uh, Elkanah. I don't even mean pronouncing that right, right? And he had two wives. That was a custom back then. He had uh, Penina and he had a wife named Hannah, all right? So Penina had, uh, just Penina just sounds street to me, you know. Anyways, uh, Penina uh, had, uh, he, she had children, but Hannah could not have children. She was barren, all right? So I want to just, uh, I want to preface this by saying that Hannah was one of the favored ones from the Lord, yet she had no children. I want to pause and say, just because you have the favor of the Lord on you does not mean that you're going to go through some problems. You're not going to go through some problems. She was one of the favored ones, and the Bible says that Elkan had uh, loved her more, but she had no children. In other words, she was barren. She needed a miracle. There are some people in our lives that are barren spiritually and need a miracle. They're barren emotionally. They have shut down. They have, uh, they have been uh, numb because of pain. How many have been there? And you've been shut down. And so I, I, I picked this up because there's some lessons of Hannah. She's pleading with God. And as you will see in the story, Penina started mocking her and started continuing to, to, to tell her uh, all these things that were happening to her and making fun of her. Imagine you're going through something, and bad enough you're going through something, and then you have people talking bad about what you're going through. Amen. No one said amen to that. But in verse 6 in NLT, this is where we pick it up. We're going to read from verse 6 and 7 and jump from 9 to 11 and onward, okay, so you know. Get your Bibles out. It says this. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Verse 8. Year after year. Can I just pause and say this is a real reality for some people? Not just barrenness. How many year after year after year you're praying, you're asking God for a breakthrough, and nothing changes? The Bible says year after year it was the same. Help us, Lord. 
Year after year, you plug in, you plug in the blanks. Year after year, marriage is the same. Year after year, finances is the same. Year after year, your, your relationship with your kids hasn't changed. Year after year, your ministry is struggling. Year after year, you don't see any change. How many know that's a little bit frustrating? All right? How many, how many know that when you're trying to do the right things, it's hard to stay the course with the Lord? Because we're emotional, we're spiritual beings, but we're also emotional beings. And so we have this inkling in us that says year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Can I pause and say, have you guys been there? Have you guys been to a point you've been reduced to tears because of your situation? I, I have. How many of you have done all the things that you can see, think that you could do right, and you've been reduced to tears. Now, what usually happens to us when we're reduced to tears because of situations in our life? I tell you, mostly, unfortunately, when we're reduced to tears, we begin to slowly go backwards in our commitment to the Lord, and we are not aggressive in pursuing God. When we are distraught, when we are been reduced to tears, we shut down emotionally, and we... Um, we become numb to things and we continue to, to, to believe the, pro the, sorry, to confess the promises of God, but it's hard to believe the promises of God. Do you know that you could confess without believing it? And so year after year, the same. Penina would taunt Hannah and she would be reduced to tears. Look at verse 9 in the NLT. Verse 9 says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long. Hannah was in deep anguish. Everybody say deep anguish. Say it again. Say deep anguish. Crying bitterly. Listen to this. I want to read it slow. Crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. I'm going to get to that in just a second, all right? Now look at um, verse 19 and 20, and then we're going to go back to this story. And she made, oh no, sorry, go, go to 11. You're right, you're right. <laughs> and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer, third time you see prayer during sorrow, and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord. His hair will never be cut. Let me just pause and say this. How many moms are in here again? Lift your hands. It is extremely hard to pray for a child that you're barren for, and then when you pray for a child, you say, once I get it, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to, I'm going to have, have this child be away from my arms and into the tabernacle so that the priest could take care of him. All right? So I want to share this with you because it's important. there's some important faith lessons here. Now look at verse 19 and 20, and then we're going to uh, dig into some of these attributes. The entire family got up early the next morning. Now this, I'm not, you know, this, remember, Hannah prayed during her anguish, all right? The next morning, they went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkan slept with Hannah, the Lord remember her plea. It was the next day that the Lord remembered her, plea, her, plea, her prayer. And in due time, she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel. 
For she said, I asked the Lord for him. And the word Samuel means God has heard. Can I hear an amen? Now, why do I say this? There's a couple attributes and challenges that I see here. Uh, Number one, Hannah chose to pray in a place of deep anguish. Now, this needs to hit home to you guys. Because if you've ever been in a deep anguish or deep hurt, the last thing on your mind to most people is you just want to have a pity party. You don't want to pray. When you're in deep anguish, most people that I've seen that are in deep anguish, they will let the anguish overtake them into the point that they'll start getting depressed. They'll start getting hardened. They'll start getting numb. Am I talking to the right crowd here today? And they start getting to this, this almost backward cycle because of the pain. It's, it's hard when you have emotional pain, when you have spiritual pain, or when you have physical pain. Even though your mind wants to, it's very debilitating on your body and on your emotions. And so uh, the, the lesson here is that Hannah chose to pray out of the place of agony and sorrow. I want to pause and say this. The reason why I believe Hannah was able to pray out of the place of sorrow and anguish is because she had the discipline of going privately into the, into the secret place every day. The reason why Hannah was so quick to pray during the time of sorrow, during the time of pain. Has anybody been going through any pain in their life? The reason why she was quick to do that in the bad times is because she was quick to, pr- to privately pray in the good times. I believe the first highlight of this woman of God is a lifestyle of prayer. And I don't have anything on the screen uh, this, this week, but I just want you to take notes. The first attribute that we see in Hannah is the, at- the attribute of a prayer life. Don't tell, I'll just say this. Your prayer life will manifest or your lack of prayer life will manifest when pressures hit you. When you, when you and I are going through some trials, our private prayer time will dictate our public prayer time. If it's, and I'll be honest with you, the culture of prayer starts in your private life. Can I just be really real? And this is not a spank. This is just being real in all churches across America. We have prayer meetings on Tuesdays, and, we're, and we have now, I, I, now we have like three prayer meetings a week. People don't know that. We have Monday night, we have the Spanish ministry praying. On Tuesday, we have, we have prayer meeting, corporate prayer, uh, where we pray for the church. And then, um, and then an hour before uh, service, we have our wonderful intercessors and those who ever want to join them to pray for an hour. You know what they're doing? They're bombarding heaven for breakthrough. They're bombarding heaven. Prayer is the instrument that moves the hand of God. But here's the thing. Here's the big but, right? Why are there so many few people in prayer meetings? Is it maybe because our schedules are too busy? Is it because we don't have a revelation of prayer? Or maybe is it that we're so consumed with our jobs that we have little time to pray privately? This woman, Hannah, was deep in anguish, and they were in a meal, and she chose to forsake the comfort of family, and you know what she did? She did what she was used to doing. She, she did what she was accustomed to doing. She went up and prayed. I believe personal prayer time is one of the weakest realities of the body of Christ, yet is the most needed. There was a recent statistic uh, a couple years ago that said the average pastor prays about 15 minutes a day 
either a day or a week, of, of undivided, uh, undivided uh, um, uh, time, uh, attention to the Lord, 15 minutes. And then we wonder why our church is the way they are. We wonder why our families the way we are. We wonder why our city and our nation the way we are is because we are not, we have become a people that we don't value prayer. Prayer is not supposed to be boring. Prayer is connecting with God. And the Bible says that Hannah, watch this, got up and prayed, which showed me she had a lifestyle of prayer. Guys, prayer to us is the number one thing that I want to highlight this morning. When Hannah was able to get her her prayers answered is because she had a lifestyle of prayer. Now, I want to say this. If if our prayer life is weak, our, our ability to resist temptation will be weak. Because when Jesus was there uh, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember, and he said, pray with me. Pray with me. Listen to me. He says, and then when he came down, he found them sleeping. He said, listen, pray. The flesh, I mean, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then he says, pray, lest you enter into temptation. Watch this. Temptation is linked to prayer. Oh. He said, he said, pray. He didn't say do conferences or do great preaching or, or, or even study hard. He said, pray lest you enter into temptation. Prayer is a reservoir that you built so that you could withdraw in hard times. But if you don't make any deposits, you won't be able to make any withdrawals. What's the reason why we make deposits into the bank? It may hurt a little bit when you see that check. You're like, man, I want to spend it on some clothes. But you deposit it into the bank. Why? Because in your mind, you know, I got my light bill to pay. I got food. I got to pay. Come on, somebody. Someone say amen. I got to, I got to feed my family. But you could take that, that check and say, man, I worked hard in it, and I just want to spend it on me. Guess what? When it, time, when it comes time to withdraw and make withdrawals, you cannot. Prayer, as a church, we need to get back to personal prayer time. I know the Lord has convicted me of that. The Lord the Lord's saying, I want you to go deeper in your private prayer time. Even in your pain, you need to get down and you need to get on my face. Why? Not because he's making us. It's because it's for our own good. If I were to tell you all the strength that you need to combat the things of your mind is found in that secret place... You would run. He dwells in the secret place. He who dwells. See, 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 let me pause on this. This was not my notes. I love that it says dwells. It didn't say visit. He doesn't say he who visits the secret place shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It doesn't say he who passes by the secret place every now and then. It says he who dwells. In other words, he who stays there, then he shall be hidden under the shadow of the Almighty. Do you see, we try to claim the benefits without dwelling. Dwelling, listen, God doesn't, God doesn't want to just uh, visit you. I know that that's a term in the body of Christ. He wants to tabernacle with you. He wants to habitate with you. He just wants to sit. There. The Bible says he is seated on the praises of his people. Oh, what does that mean? He's like, I desire, I want to fill you, but you're so busy. I'm trying to catch you that you don't come even wake up and give me five minutes of your time. We're more worried about getting to work than worried about meeting with the Lord. The most important meeting of your day, you can write this down, is when you wake up, hopefully brush your teeth, amen, and come before the King of Kings before you do anything else. 
even if it's for five, ten minutes, this is what will do is increase your prayer life. So she chose to pray out of the place of sorrow, and the Lord heard her as she prayed uh, in the place of sorrow. The next lesson I hear, I see in Hannah is this, is that, that she was submit, the Lord was teaching her to submit to the will of the Father versus the will of man. Now watch this, because every year she would be taunted and made fun of by Penina. Could you imagine what you're going through, whether, whether it's you're trying to do this or trying to do that, and you're constantly being taunted by people or the enemy, in this case, the, 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 the enemy, the devil. And they're constantly being taunted. You're taunted. What does taunting mean? Does it, make, does it mean like, nee, nee, nana, boo, will you have that? I don't know. Taunting means you will never get that. It's the voice in your head that says you will never achieve that. Come on, come on. It's that voice in your head that says you're never going to get that business. You're never going to get healed. You're never going to, if a fox goes up that thing, Nehemiah, oh, break that whole wall. What does that mean? The taunting means the Lord was trying to show Hannah, it's very easy for you to yield to the opinions of man and go the easy way out than to the will of God. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. Put that up in Proverbs. The Bible says the fear, I believe it's Proverbs chapter 29, verse, uh, verse 25. It says, the fear of man, in other words, desiring to please people or give in to people's opinions, brings a snare, a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You know what that means? You know what the fear of man is? Not that like you're scared of them. Is that you value their opinion more than you value God's opinion. Is that you value their will over your life over than God's will. You know what? We got to get to a point without being rude that we don't care what people think about us. Thank you for that, amen. If the Bible says in, in, in Galatians 1, it says, if I, in, in, the, in the NLT, Paul the Apostle says, if I were a servant, sorry, if I choose to please men, I am no longer a servant of Christ. Are you kidding me? He's actually said, I'm no longer a servant of Christ if I choose to please people. Now, that, don't get that mixed up with being rebellious on purpose. Amen? Because God wants you to submit to your leaders. God wants you to submit to your parents. You can't use that scripture that says, I don't care what you think about me. The opinions of man doesn't matter to me. And this, no, no, no. You need to submit. What I'm talking about is for the will of God for your life. For the plan of God for your life, sometimes it's going to look much different than other people. And you and I have got to, listen, be pleasers of God, whether they're pleasers of man. Because as we're, if we're pleasers with God, we'll have much less drama to deal with. There's some drama queens and drama kings out there. But let me tell you something. You could avoid the drama by simply seeking to please God. Now, seeking to please God means that you have to turn your ear deaf to negative negativity in your life. Do you know, do you know that negativity has like a rubbing, um, a rubbing effect on you? So does positivity. When you hang around negative people all the time, and they're always telling you that you can't do this, and they're always picking out your flaws, let me tell you something. A backslider knows that he's backsliding. You don't have to say, you don't have to go to the bar and say, hey, bro, I just want to warn you, you're kind of backsliding now. Do you think highlighting the backsliding is going to get that person back to church? Like, man, you're right. I didn't even know I was backsliding. I'm here. 
shooting it up and, and doing everything I want. No, you have to turn your ear deaf to negativity and choose to believe in the word of God. Because in times of trial, you will start getting mocked by the enemy. And you may not be mocked by people. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's people just saying, oh, you're just too radical. I've had people tell me that. I'm, I'm too radical. I'm too intense. I'm too over the top. I'm thinking. And you know what? Here's a th- here's, I'm going to be very transparent to you. For a season, I submitted to the fear of man, and I was miserable. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't use those people to buffet you and to uh, highlight some things that you need correction. Because I, I looked at myself, I said, okay, maybe I am too intense. How can, how can I communicate better? Right? But with a balance, because you could, watch this, I'm going to set you free. You could change so much for people that you actually lose who you are. You could, you could change so much for people that you actually lose what God made you to be. God made me loud and intense. Celebrate that. God made PK quiet. Celebrate that. That's why you know when he gets loud, whoo, glory to God. You know the Holy Ghost is on him. <laughs> no, but for real, but for real, celebrate who you are. And now this, this, I'm about to say something that sounds new agey, but it's not. You need to love yourself. Well, that's not scriptural. Well, actually, it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, then everyone that says something to you, you're going to hate and you're going you're to have a gripe against. Because you think that they're always against you. And so, but watch this. I wrote this down. Hannah was able to not react to the opinions of people and ruin her testimony. Some of, all, <laughs> some of us, good Christians, if we respond a certain way that our flesh or our emotions uh, want us to, we will ruin our testimony before our coworkers. And please, don't say it's your personality. Well, it's just my personality, Pastor George. You know, I'm just, I'm just loud. I'm just, I'm just rude and loud. No, you could be loud and not rude. And so here's Hannah, and she's like, I will not... I refuse to act out of my flesh. And listen, let's just be honest. What if you were praying for something for years and not just didn't get it, but you would have people mock you because you didn't get it? Come on, let's be honest. Some of, some of us that grew up in the hood, you know what you guys would do. <laughs> you're talking about like, wait, 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 wait. You're saying to me, you're making fun of me because I don't have a baby? Well, look at you. You're not too pretty either. Now, some of us will react that way, but she didn't. She reacted to his place. She stood quiet, and she did, watch this. She did not ruin her testimony because she wanted to please people. Can I hear an amen? And then lastly, before we go to the next one, is she was a person of action. We talked a, a couple weeks ago. I, I think it's going to take six months for me to finish my series on um, training for reigning. But two weeks ago, we talked about the actions and being doers of the word and not hearers only. Guys, you know what the Bible says? And I didn't read it. If you look at that scripture, the Bible says after, you can, and you can, this is how I know, this is how I know. I read this before, but I never saw this until yesterday. This is how I know that she struggled even with her own vow. How many know that sometimes it's a struggle sometimes to, to, to complete what God has told you to do? She, when they were, the Bible says when they were on the way to go to the temple to worship, she goes, hey, can we just let him hear a little bit fewer until he's weaned? 
Just, 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 in other words, let me hold him just a little longer and see his face a little longer because I know the sacrifice and the vow that I made to the Lord. I have to execute, I have to execute this vow and I have to give my son who I beg God for and I'm not going to see him anymore. I'll see him, but he won't be in my house. I'm submitting him to the Eli, the priest and the temple and he's going to be with them for all the days of his life. So could you imagine uh, as, uh, the, here's a lesson for this mom. Say what you're going to say and do what you're going to do. Do what you say. Amen? Don't just say something and not do it. Here's, here's how you build your reputation. I'm going to give you a key. How many want to build your reputation? Do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to be there a certain time, be there a certain time. If you say you're going to uh, complete a task, complete a certain task. The Bible says a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Amen? Amen. Come on, say Amen. So that's the, the, the first woman with these attributes. She had a prayer life. Say prayer life. And she did not give in to the will of man, but the will of the Father. Okay? And that's, that's the attributes that we want to highlight. Number two is the woman with the issue of blood. We all know that. Okay? I want you to turn with, now, now by the way, what was Hannah's problem? Shout at me. She couldn't have, okay, that's, that's a deep anguish when you want to have babies and you don't. Right? Now, and you saw how she overcame her problems through a prayer life and not yielding to the opinions of man, all right, the fear of man. The second woman was the woman with the issue of blood. Now, you have famous preachers preaching that. Now, guys, don't want to be graphic here, but men don't really realize what's going on here if you just read the text. She had an issue of blood, hemorrhage, that would not stop. Listen, 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 listen. Not for a year. That's bad enough. Can you imagine blood flowing and not being able to stop the clot, the, the, the blood to, to continue to flow? Not two years, 12 years. That's a pretty hard situation. It probably, it probably blows what we're going out for. Look how she responded. Mark, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And I'll be quick because I want to honor you, you guys, but I want to highlight the strength of women of God today. Can I hear an amen? A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years, listen, with constant bleeding. I'm going to give you the story you know, but I'm going to give you the challenge and how she overcame the challenge that we could apply it today. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay for these doctors, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she got worse after seeing doctors. She had heard about Jesus so she came up behind him through the crowd. Everybody say through the crowd. I'm going to highlight that phrase. Say through the crowd. Okay. So she came behind him. In other words, it wasn't, it wasn't just easy access. I think, I think Christianity has become, if it's not easy, it's not God. Come on. I, I, that was a good drop the mic moment. I believe Christianity has said, if it's hard, I'm not going to show up. It's not God. Where in the Bible, what Bible are you reading if you say if it's not hard, if it's hard, it's not God? No, it's probably God if it is hard. As a matter of fact, if, you're, if you could do your dream by yourself, it's probably not from God. But if it's so big that uh, it's above yourself and you have no clue how to do it, then you can rely on God to come and intervene and say, only he can do what God has put in my heart. I'm not that smart. I don't know how to, I don't know how we got all this. It's God. But he honors faithfulness. So watch. She had heard Jesus came, watched, and went behind him through 
the crowd. Everybody say crowd. Crowd is symbolic of anything that is in your way now. I'm going to preach a little bit. That is posing a threat for you to get close to Jesus. The crowd is symbolic of anything, whether it's an affliction, like what I'm battling, whether it's some friendship, whether it's a, a, an offense that you have, the crowd, or it could be worldliness, because the crowd represents a whole bunch of things. But the crowd is symbolic of things that you and I have to, watch this, push through, even in our pain, to get to Jesus. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I fought the good fight. He didn't say, I fought the good lazy river. He didn't say, I just floated by. He goes, it is a fight. But I love what he says. He, he, said, he said, you know what? Now, and I cry every time I think about this. When he wrote that, that phrase in Corinthians, he says, he says, look, I fought the good fight. I've won the race. I've kept the faith. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Most historians say he wrote that days or so before he died. Could, how many of us could say when we are in our deathbed or when the Lord's about to take us home that we could say we started well and we finished well? We got a lot of good starters, but we got very few finishers. We got people that trailblaze and get on fire for five, ten years, and all of a sudden... 15 years later, where are they? Why? Because they got burned out in their own gifting. They were, they were operating out of their own gifting, not out of the oil that was coming from the Lord. So she pressed, listen, through the crowd. Can I just be honest with you? It was a struggle to get to Jesus. Sometimes you just got to press. My staff knows me. Sometimes I just got to, it's so hard for me. But I have to press, and sometimes i got to wake up and just force myself up. And it's hard. But you know, let me tell you something. One of these days, you will touch the hem of his garment. He, she said, she came up behind him through the crowd. And I, a reason why I pause on there, because I want to highlight that through the crowd means you are going to have resistance. Because, listen... Why, did, why, why would James say, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee? We have believed a lie in the church. We even stopped coming to church. We even stopped coming to church when things get hard. When that's the very place we should start seeking strength in the, in the fellowship of believers, we say, you know what? I'm just going through such a hard time. I'm going to give up. This lady said, I have been in this condition. See, let me just say this. I, I feel this is not my. I'm just, pain is actually good. I'll tell you why. Why? Why? Because if you had no pain, you, pain is an indicator that something is wrong. Hear me, hear me what I'm saying. Your body is telling you something is not right, and it flares up pain, whether it's in emotions, your heart is hurting, whether it's a physical thing. If you, if you felt no pain, you would not know what to correct. Oh, my gosh. If you had no pain, if you felt no pain and everything was just numb, you could be bleeding on the inside and not feel it. You could be bleeding emotionally. So God actually uses pain to help you be an indicator to fix something that he knows is bleeding. So he heard about Jesus, she heard about Jesus and watch this, watch this. You know what pain does to you? Oh, this is good. You could, you, could, you could quote this. 
Pain is a motivator for you to get to Jesus at all costs. Why? Because whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, whatever it is, pain of a, of a child, pain of a family member, it will be the extra gasoline for you to plow whatever is in your way to get to Jesus. Can I, can I just say something? I don't believe that woman, I know we call her a woman of faith, I don't believe it was only her faith. Because as you read, you'll see that one of the big parts of Jesus, because he was being touched all over, and yet she reached out and touched his robe, and he said, power came out of me. And the disciples like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Everyone is touching you. Listen, listen. It wasn't her, it wasn't her need that touched her, him. It was her faith. But it wasn't only her faith. Oh, man. I've preached this for years, but I never saw this. It was, it was um, a motor that's combined with faith and pain. Because faith said, if, if. I touch his garment, I'll be whole. Pain says, I can't stay here any longer. Pain says, I will go through whatever I got to go through in this season because if I go through it, the pain will stop. So pain is actually a motivator for you to seek God. And so, so what I see here is the value of pain, the power of pain, uh, in, in an individual, because the Bible says he causes the rain to come down on the just and the unjust mixed with faith. Say faith. faith. And so the Bible says that she said, if I only could touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. The second lesson from this woman here is that she combined the fuel of her pain and the fuel of her faith as an equation to get to Jesus. I want you to always remember this. Now, this may sound a little preachy, but I'm here to encourage you. Your pain has a purpose. Your pain actually, if you, if you, if you are sensitive to it, has a purpose for you to be able to fix it. Because it drives you to a pursuit. How many want to stay in pain? Nobody. Nobody wants to stay in pain. So pain is an indicator not only that something is wrong, but it's also an invitation to pursue Jesus to get it right. Because you get to the point where you say, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. So it forces you either either to retreat and go backwards or to pursue and say, I want to press through the crowd. Here's my question before I go to the third woman. What is your crowd this morning? What is, your, what is the crowd that you need to press through to get closer to Jesus? Now, only you can answer. Maybe it's your past. Maybe that's your crowd. It's stopping you. Maybe it's a, a physical pain and sickness. Maybe it's an emotional pain. Maybe it's the actually physical crowd. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's actually physically the crowd. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's someone that's wounded you. Identify today what is the crowd that is stopping you. Maybe it's unbelief from getting to Jesus. And be determined. Say determined. Not just for your healing, but for your calling to come forth. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? And last but not least, if the worship team could come up here, because I'm going uh, to end with this woman right here. The Syrophoenician woman in the book of Matthew. She's from Tyre and Sidon. And the Bible says she was a Gentile. In other words, in modern-day language, she was not part of the covenant. She was not saved, right, as we call, like to call it. I want you to see, I, I saved the best for last. Are you enjoying this? I want you to see 
two or three major obstacles that this seraphim, and again, these are all women. The first woman was Hannah. She, her, her challenge was she was barren. And what did she do? She had a prayer life. Everybody say prayer life. We need to develop our prayer life in order for us to open the spiritual wombs of our lives. That was quotable. Prayer life will open the spiritual womb of your life. Secondly is this woman with the issue of blood. Her pain and her faith helped her press through the crowd. You have two choices when pain comes. Yield to it or you can press through it and fight. I see people here today that I'm so honored and so proud of. that I, not, not to call you out, but I know you've gone through great pain. I see you guys. You've said, you told me your stories. You come, some of you have dragged yourself here because you're in pain, but you're still here. That's what God, that's how you're going to defeat the enemy. Is that when the enemy throws everything he has for you and you get up out of that thing and you look at him and you dust that, that hurt off and you say, is that all you got? Do you guys remember the movie Rocky? How many remember Rocky? Remember Rocky? I don't know if it was Rocky 3 or Rocky 4. I, I mean, I, it was so, so long ago for me. But I remember there was a scene where I think it, yeah, I think it was Rocky 4 where the Ivan Drago, the, the, the uh, Russian boxer, I mean, he was pummeling my dude Rocky. I mean, he was, poof, poof, and Rocky was like, yeah. you know, and, he, and he's just like all out, right? And I remember the scene where he's just pounding. I mean, he's like, after like the seventh or eighth round, he's pounding. And now the Russian boxer is getting like worn out. And as and I remember one time he, he threw a punch at Rocky. Rocky came down and, the, and, the, and he got knocked down. The referee was six, seven. And Rocky kind of got up. And he goes, come on. And, and the scene shifts to, to um, Ivan Drago going, he was so defeated because he gave every, the enemy gave everything he had and he got, and Rocky still got up. Let me tell you something. It's not how many times you fall. It's about how many times you give up. You stand up. It's not a true sign of a champion are not those who never fail. They're those who never quit. Seven times a righteous man falls. Seven times the Lord will raise him up. It's not how many times you fall. It's how many times you get back up. Come on, that's a word for somebody today. Remember when Joshua was on the floor and he's crying? In Joshua chapter 7, this is uh, free because it's not in my notes. He's, he's, he's crying because the enemy just defeated them at Ai. And Ai was a very small town of 12,000 people. They had just, listen, they had just conquered Jericho. You would think Jericho was huge compared to Ai. But Ai, they got defeated. Why? Because Achan had taken something and there was sin in the camp. Now watch, watch, watch. Joshua was weeping. You can look it up in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. He was weeping. He's like, God, why did you allow it? And good old God says, get up. I'm like, where's the compassion of God? That is the compassion of God. He says, you got defeated because there was some sin in the camp. Now get up and stop letting your emotions rule you. Oh, that was somebody. That was for somebody. Don't go by your feelings. If I were go, if I, I'm going to be very honest with you, if I were to go by my feelings, I would not be here today because I'm in pain every day. Every day I'm in pain. 
If you go by feelings, you will not be obedient to the Lord. Amen? So look at what it says here. Look, so she, she keeps on going. Now look at this as the last example. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, and I'm going to close with this. There's two things I want to highlight, then we're going to go home. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is the third woman. Say woman. Of faith. Now watch. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading. Listen, this is powerful. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. In this last scene here, you're talking about a woman that's not praying for her. It's praying for somebody. She's in anguish because of someone she loves is in bondage. Oh, my God. There's nobody like women that I know that could pray for others that are in anguish than anybody else. You know who shows up in the prayer meetings on Tuesday nights? Mostly women. You know who's the one who's usually, usually, not all the time, usually the one on the bedside crying at night for the wayward son or daughter to come? The women. You know who's the one who said, don't, it, don't, it don't matter. I'll stay up three in the, in the morning to make sure you're okay. Get up then at six in the morning to cook breakfast for the whole family. Women. I'm not saying men don't do that. I'm saying statistically more women do that. Now watch this. This is going to hurt a little bit, okay? Here is this woman pleading for God for her daughter who is severely, not just troubled, demon-possessed. Are you ready for this? There's a lesson here. But Jesus gave her no reply. Watch this. Not even a word. I want you to, this to sink in. Jesus looked at this desperate woman who was a Gentile pleading for her daughter's deliverance and she said nothing. Woo. Then his disciples urged him. Watch this. this. It gets even worse. Now the church is rejecting her. Tell her to go away. She is bothering us with all her begging. <laughs> then Jesus said to the women, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. He was, he was implying that his mandate was to the people of Israel first. And then when we would go to the cross, the wild branch would be us. We would be grafted in. He said, but right now, my assignment is to the house of Israel. Now look, but she came, look, 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 are you ready? I'm going to give you a foreshadow of one of her strength. She came and worshipped him. How can you worship someone that you feel rejected by? You're not, you're not shouting because it may be hitting home. She just got rejected. Now watch this. Leave that scripture up there. Leave that scripture up there. I want to say something to you. This woman experienced two major things in addition to her, her anguish of her son or daughter having demon possessed. How many of you, look at me, and I want you to be honest with me as your pastor. How many of you have spent many days or many years in spiritual or emotional anguish for somebody else in your family? Think about how that feels. Remember that, okay? The hours and the tears that you pray. Here's the challenge that she had. She not only had that challenge, but when she cried out, ugh, she experienced the silence of God. 
Come on, you ain't talking back at me. Because you, we all try to be spiritual, but I've experienced the silence of God. I said, hurry up. Hurry up and heal me. I'm no good to you, sick. What's wrong with you? I, I have a relationship with God. I repent later. I, I'm true. But what do you do when you're praying and you're doing the right thing and you're praying to Jesus and you get no response and you're experiencing the silence of God in that season? Only your knowledge of God and the scriptures of what you've put in your life all throughout your years is going to be able to sustain you. Because if you go by your situation, you're going to convince yourself that God's abandoned you. But you have to confess, even in the silent years, God is still with me. How you interpret the season of silence will determine if you'll get offended at God or not. How you interpret, oh my God, how you interpret the season of God's silence will determine if you keep loving him or get angry at him because he's not saying anything to you. He was silent. So he, so now not only is she experiencing the pain of, of her loved one being bound, she's now experiencing what she interprets as the rejection of God. Are you ready for this? At the same time she's experiencing the silence of God, now the church rises up and rejects her as well. You know, the church is symbolic of the disciples. The disciples like, yeah, we saw Jesus not saying anything to you. Get her away. She's such a problem. So now she's experiencing not only the anguish of her kid, not only, watch this, the silence of God. I'm going to pause and I feel this. Some of you are secretly mad at God because of his silence. Watch. Look, look, look. I'm going to set you free. This is powerful. You would think, so watch, she got the silence of God. Say silence of God. Do you know that there's a season where God will be silent, though yet he's speaking? Because in his silence, he's trying to tell you something. Watch. And now the disciples say, let, drive her away. She bothers us. Now you try to go to church because you're not hearing from God. And now the very people that are supposed to love you are the ones talking bad about you. Now you go to church and, and they're saying, you know what? She makes too, she, she cries all the time. Let's not even go. She's just so petty. I don't want to be there for her. Most of us would be like, Pastor Jesus was silent and the disciples, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm never going back to this church. Here is where things shifted for her. She experienced the silence of God and she experienced the rejection of the church. And the next move is, I'm going to worship you anyways. The Bible says that when he did not answer words, she's like, that's fine. You don't have to answer me, but I'm going to worship you. I'm going to choose in my pain and in your, watch, in you not speaking to me. I'm going to put on a CD, even though I think you've abandoned me. I'm going to praise the very one who's been silent towards me. And I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to worship you. And she began to worship. Everybody say worship. The attribute that you need, hear me now. In the silent years, I'm going to give you a clue. I'm almost done. The attribute that you need during seasons of God's being silent is you need 
to worship him because of who he is, not because of what he gives you. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, because of who you are. Listen, that's that song. Now watch, Here, here's where I'm gonna land. She begins to worship God. It gets his attention. Look at this. She begins to worship him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the little dogs. Whew, this verse right here. That's true, Lord, she said, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. In other words, Jesus, you're the bread of life. I don't need it right. I don't need it. But I believe so much in your power that I don't need the bread. I just need the crumbs. That the crumbs that fall from you are enough to heal my. And look at what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said. Dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed instantly. Why? Because, listen, if a Gentile woman was able to get her deliverance by worshiping God and suddenly with the crumbs, how are the children of God that have access to the whole bread? How much more the children of God that have access to the bread of life be made whole? I want to encourage you. If you experience a silent season from the Lord, do not retract. Do not think he has abandoned you. Do what this woman did. And in the silent years, begin to worship God. I know that sounds crazy because you won't feel his presence at times. And you won't feel his goodness. But he wants you to worship. Because when you worship him, when you feel nothing, you will see the answer coming when you worship because when you worship glory comes down heaven comes down the power comes down the blessings come down worship goes up blessings come down praise goes up chains are broken oh come on lift up your hands stand up to your feet lord whatever obstacle we have we will give it to you come on lift up your voice we love you lord come on cry out your hands up begin to worship begin to worship Father, we're, we can position ourselves in one of these three women today. 
Father, either we are barren spiritually and emotionally and we haven't borne fruit, the Lord says develop a prayer life and you will see a breakthrough. If you're like that woman with the issue of blood, maybe it's your pain and your faith that God wants to use to get you closer to Jesus. Or three, if it's that Syrophoenician woman that is here and she has to press through the crowd. I just, I just felt this from the Lord. Your crowd to some of you is not your lack of love for God, is your weariness. You have to press through the weariness. I just heard that. Your crowd is, is labeled, has a name that said tired, weariness. And you have to press through that tiredness and weariness. And not be weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And maybe, maybe you're experiencing a silent moment or a silent time where you've been crying out and you don't have all the answers. And you're kind of secretly saying, come on, God, I'm faithful. And you're being silent. The Lord is being silent. You know what the Lord is saying to you? In your silent season, lift up your hands, lift up your voice, and worship God. If you're here and you need just to present yourself before the Lord, Right now, I want to invite you to the altar. If you can identify to any of these three women in this story, and you need an extra push, whether it's you need to develop a prayer life, like the Lord is speaking to you, whether it's you need to have a worship life during the times of, se of season of pain, whether it's you don't understand why he's silent, I'm here to prophesy to you. God knows exactly where you're at. He has not forsaken you. I want to invite you. Do you have something? Yes. Hi, everybody. You know me as a prayer person, right? This is my beautiful daughter, Trisha, who's in church with me today. This is the one that's two years cancer-free. I pressed in. I put it down. I pray for you guys. Like you don't know because I've been through it because I put it down I feel like a hood ornament on a car going down interstate 70 sometimes but I'll tell you what press in he can say yes and he can say no but you press in and you don't give up thank you God not only that this wonderful lady right here and we know we've been praying we've been hearing stories how God is so good this lady right here, she'll come. Even when she had bad ankles with fibromyalgia and stuff, she would walk. She still does it this day. She walks around the building. You know what she does? She prays over, uh, over the building. She said, Pastor, I go, what are you doing? She seemed out of breath. I just walked around the building and prayed for the whole church. She does that every week without me asking her. Here's my point. If you're in pain, if you feel like you can't go forward, here's the antidote. Give up, not on your walk with God. Give up on trying to do it on your own. Lift up your hands and begin to worship. So here's what I feel before we dismiss. I know it's Mother's Day. I'm going to be very specific. If you're here this morning and you're going through something, whatever it is, here's the answer. The answer is the same for everything. Are you ready? Present yourself and worship and give thanks to God. You know what the Bible says? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all things. Do you know that thankfulness will, will eliminate one major problem? is complaining. So the opposite of complaining is not, not complaining, is being thankful. 
So when you're thankful, you automatically have the propensity not to complain. So if you're here, this is how I feel, and we're going to go to that one chorus and we're going to leave. If you're here and you're going through something that you don't understand, you're experiencing a silent season in your life where, where you don't understand. Here's the antidote for you, and I'm serious. The Lord says, present yourself today and worship me. Present yourself today as a, watch this, living sacrifice. Fully acceptable to the Lord, pleasing to the Lord, not being conformed to this world, but present yourself to the Lord in worship. Now, am I going to promise that you'll get the answers right away? No. But here's what's going to happen to your heart. Your heart will, little by little, start being sensitive to the goodness of God over your life. No longer will you be thinking, I'm left alone. When you worship and you just give it to Him, guess what will happen? It will draw His attention. And if a Gentile could be healed from the crumbs, surely you could get healed from the bread. So that's you. I'm not even going to have you lift your hands. If you just want to present yourself to the front here while we dismiss and just worship and give that situation to God through worship, come up here now. Come on, come up here now. The rest of you, the church is dismissed. Come on, let's just worship one last time. We're going to worship the Lord. Come on. We love you. God bless you. See you next week. Hopefully I'll see you at, at, uh, at prayer as well. We worship you, Jesus. We present ourselves to you. We love you. We give you our problems. We give you our trials. We worship you, God. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.